This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Okay, you are listening to the Football Odyssey with Aaron Harris. I'm your host, Aaron Harris, and today I'm joined by Jeremy McFarlane. Jeremy is the host of the Football is Family podcast and an avid fan of the AFC's current number one seed, Tennessee Titans. Today, Jeremy joins me to discuss his Titans fandom, as well as play an interesting game of Tennessee Titans trivia. You can find Jeremy's podcast, like this podcast, wherever you get your podcast. And if you enjoyed our conversation, feel free to subscribe, share, and let us know what you think. As always, thank you for listening, and now enjoy the show. Okay, you are listening to the Football Odyssey. I'm your host, Aaron Harris, and today I'm joined by Jeremy McFarland. Jeremy is the host of the Football is Family podcast and an avid fan of the AFC's current number one seed, Tennessee Titans, and I am pleased to welcome him on this show. Thanks for coming on, Jeremy. How are you tonight? I am great. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. It's uh, been a good year to be a Titans fan, yeah? Well, yes, the ending. Oh, but we lost to the Jets. We lost to your Steelers. We lost to the Texans. And we nearly blew it against the Texans at the very end. So it's one of those things that if I actually had hair on the top of my head, I'd be pulling it out right now. Well, the AFC was strange this year, wasn't it? Because it seemed for a while that New England was the top seed going into December. And they fell apart. And then Tennessee, like you said, lost to Pittsburgh. They almost lost to Tennessee late in the year. And earlier in the year, that's when Kansas City was kind of faltering. So no one really knew what to make of the AFC. It was just the only thing you could predict was that it was going to be unpredictable. Well, you're looking at the end of the year is really when Kansas City picked back up. Cincinnati went nuts. I mean, come on, that that team is crazy. And and that's the one we're playing Saturday. And uh, Kansas City looked great. Um, you know, they look great in their playoff game and Cincinnati look great in their playoff game. So um, I'm actually looking forward to the, probably the big game is the uh, Buffalo Kansas city game Sunday. Yeah. I was really impressed with Buffalo last week. I mean, I think everyone expected a little bit of a close, close game, maybe not the way they have been the past two meetings between Buffalo and new England, but the way they just came out and scored seven touchdowns in all of their possessions was just absolutely mind bottling. New England had no answer whatsoever. No, no. And, and I get a text from my mother who's not a big football fan. She said, I'm just glad new England lost. I'm like, well, okay, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's weird. Cause my dad actually said he would like to see new England win now, just so he could see Belichick prove that he could win without Brady. Maybe next year. Yeah. Maybe I, next year because this year I'm, I'm kind of hoping to see. I will make my way up to Second Avenue or Nashville to see a Titans parade. Last year, uh, we went through, a, or a year before that, we went through a tornado. Then we had an explosion on Second Avenue on Christmas Day, mm-hmm. you know, COVID and everything like that. Nashville is due a turn. When was the last Titan game you went to? The last Titan game I went to, um, I wasn't able to go this year because they were winning and, and tickets were insane. By the way, when you go on a ticket site and it's $80 a ticket, but they don't tell you there's $50 worth of fi- uh, fees to it, 
that's the problem. The last one I went to was about, I think, two years ago. In fact, I have a picture from it somewhere around here. Here it is. Uh, it was it was the game that Derrick Henry ran the 99-yard touchdown. That was Thursday Night Football, right? Yes, it was. Uh, my wife and I, we can uh, – my, my job, I don't get to go on Sundays very often, and we go and see the Jaguars play every year pretty much. I've seen the Colts play, but we've seen the Jaguars play every year. And I was sitting in the back area there, and it was at the one yard on us. They're going to hand it to Derrick Henry. He's going to go. And then he did. And he kept going and going. That place erupted. It was it was amazing. I, I loved it. it. It was personally one of my favorite football moments. Yeah, I remember being at a bar that night watching it with my roommate. That's the only, it's kind of weird how certain plays you can remember where you were, and that was certainly one that I remember being out like, man, he just really broke it for them. Oh, and then that play right there, if I could ever get him to sign that pay, that picture, uh, I would uh, I would frame it somewhere up here in this office here. Now, as far as your podcast goes, like when you tell people that you have a podcast, how do you usually describe it to them? Well, it's it's more of when I tell people about my my show, it's more I'm here, you talk. Um, when it comes to football, uh, you have you have your luxury boxes and then you have your cheap seats and most of the time people focus on the luxury boxes but the cheap seats is really what fills the stands i want to know because i'm i'm one of the cheap seats i want to know why you like the team that you do why you follow the team that you do i want you to talk um i got through talking with somebody recently who's a houston Oilers fan and i thought we were going to have a problem because he kept talking about the titans being you know negatively and i said mm, we may have a problem here but no, he he wanted to talk about his love of the Oilers. That when they left Houston, it was a part of him that left. And I talked to a couple of people from Baltimore who said when the Colts left, it it was a piece of them leaving. That's what I want with my podcast. Is more I'm here. It's your thirty or forty five minutes. You tell us why you like the team that you did. Yeah, and I think the really interesting thing about podcasts in general. Um, and specifically the angle you take is that obviously since you're doing it yourself, you can kind of curate the guest selection. And I think in your case too, like when you talk to that, uh, the Titans fan that comes out to Cal from California about yeah. twice a year, I don't remember what his name was. I think it was Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was cool. Cause like that kind of shows no matter where you are, the fandom still runs deep. And the fact that he makes a 2000 mile trip twice a year really speaks volumes. What, what really I enjoyed about that is he did his his uh, interview inside his his uh, man cave, which is really the garage, and he took me on a tour of it. And it's absolutely – I mean, I'm envious of it. I don't envy very often, but I'm envious of that. Now, prior to the Titans, I mean, where, where were you kind of at fan-wise? Who did you root for in the NFL? Well, well it started out um, – I really wasn't a football fan. I was a basketball fan. Uh, I, I was a big Magic Johnson fan, and I like Larry Bird. I, I grew up in the 80s. But uh, I started paying attention to the to football when the Broncos played um, the Redskins in the Super Bowl. Okay. And I said, I'll just pick a team. So I picked the Broncos, John Elway. And from that point on, it was Bronco, Bronco, Bronco. I just – I follow them. When they won the Super Bowl, I was in college. Uh, first two Super Bowls, they were the only two Super Bowls they won that I really was following them big time. I was a freshman and sophomore year. 
in, in college. And I remember where I was when that happened. Uh, I went outside my dorm room and I was yelling. And people didn't understand that that was 20, that was like 15 years of, of, of bent up frustration being let out when Elway made that uh, helicopter play. Mm-hmm. Um, when they came to Nashville, when the Titans came to Nashville and played in Vanderbilt Stadium, John Elway came the year that he won the Super Bowl, the second one, this retirement year. I actually got to go see him play. And to me, that is the pinnacle. I've seen John, I've seen Peyton Manning, I've seen Brett Favre play. Uh, I've seen uh, Ryan Tannehill play, but, you know, I've seen John Elway play. And that was the pinnacle of my football fandom right there. Um, but, you know, when we finally got a team here in Nashville or in, in the Nashville area, it's just like, yeah, I finally got a home team. So it's, it's been Titans ever since then. And you're born and raised in Tennessee? Oh, yeah, in a little town called Bonacre, Tennessee. So growing up for you, was the surrounding community mainly college football fans? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you weren't – and I I grew up – first football game I went to, I went to a Vanderbilt Commodore fan a game. I grew up a Vanderbilt fan, which is pretty bad. Most people around here, 90% are orange fans. It, it's just absolutely ravenous orange, and, and I respect that. Uh, I went to the Music City Bowl this year. We just so happened to get tickets before we realized Tennessee was playing balls. And you walk in there, and there were orange everywhere. It was just, it was just everywhere. Uh, this state is not a, a pro state. It's not a it, – it's a college state. The Titans – Mike Key said it best. He said the, the adults are not going to be the fans of the Titans. It's going to be those kids who are growing up that will be the fans of the Titans. And that's what's happening with people like Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Ryan Tannehill, and, and uh, you know, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, people like Kevin Byer, people like that are really drawing in the, like a lot of the younger ones. But if you were to ask most people here in Tennessee, uh, they're, they're, they're volunteer fans. Yeah, I can relate with that because where I grew up in Florida, it's about 45 minutes south of Gainesville. So the majority of the people I grew up with were all Gator fans. And you had some people who were also Florida State fans too who trickled in, but predominantly, predominantly, you never really saw too much enthusiasm for the NFL. Maybe the Bucks had a little bit, but it, it's just strange how in the South it's always been that way, where people just love the college teams more than they love NFL. And even a guy that I knew when I lived in Atlanta, he was from New York originally, and he went to school at Clemson. And you know, he never really grew up with like great college football around him, but you know, going to Clemson, he converted so easily, especially when he stayed in the South. But you know, when um, Clay Travis wrote a book called Dixieland Delight, mm-hmm. um, fantastic book, and he talks about the fact that where you are, most people had college closer to them. Um, we didn't have a pro team, we had a pro team in Atlanta but I didn't follow the Falcons. I didn't follow the Colts. I didn't follow, um, you know, kind of go over there. Later on, you had Carolina. I didn't follow any of those teams. It was it was college that was closer to me. But I picked my my team that just so happened to be on the other side of the planet. But most people around here, you're within three hours of a college uh, in the SEC. Uh, my, my kids, two of my kids were born in Tuscaloosa. So they have, they, they're Crimson Tide through and through. Uh, my wife was born down in Alabama or Georgia, so she has a lot of Bulldog fans in her family. Um, I converted pretty quickly once I realized the Commodores were never going to change. I converted very quickly to the Tide, and I'm okay with that. Um, 
but most most of people here are college fans, and they will tell you that college um, is more pure than in the pros. Maybe I don't know. Just it's just different strokes for different folks. Yeah, I think a lot of it is also what you grow grow up with too. I guess for me, I always never really embraced the whole fandom surrounding college football. And I think also too, because I grew up like in a, with two friends who really got me into football were diehard. Uh, they were diehard Patriots fans, but I wasn't, I was a Steelers fan, obviously. And my uncle had a big thing to do with that too. And I think one big reason was Madden. We played Madden all the time. I really don't remember playing NCAA football all that much. Had um, In college, we had some battles of NCAA football because we'd like the recruiting. But if it was up to me, like right now I'm going through Madden 22. Mm -hmm. I play Madden all the time now. Um, I played it for years. I always liked, back one of my prized possessions here is Madden 20, Madden 2001, signed by Eddie George himself. Wow. I had to go find that. It's it, And I would love to play it on my PlayStation again, but I bet you after playing Madden 22 and going back to that, it would be like night and eternal darkness or light and eternal darkness. It'd be just that big of a difference. Um, to me, Madden's a lot more fun because I love, you know, you can relate to the people. You can, you can see the people. I can go up once COVID is ever done. I can go up to training camp and, uh, you know, I got to meet DeMarco Murray one time. It was neat. It was neat to meet him. Frank Wojciech. I got to stand next to Frank Wojciech. I got to stand uh, close to Eddie George. Just, just people that you can meet. College is not, it's not that way, really. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more of a, a star appeal. And it's not just because they're celebrities. It's kind of because, you know, you see these guys. In college, you have just so many teams and you have so many characters yeah. that you can't really keep up with all of them all the time. Whereas when you're just following your one team that are going to be there for hopefully more than four years, it's easy to get attached to it. And sometimes when I'm on YouTube, kind of going to your point about going from like the newest game to the one of the older ones, sometimes I'll watch people who try to score a touchdown with one uh, player throughout all the Maddens that they were a part of and seeing the evolution of those graphics it's comical but it's also really cool though because you could see like how some games they'll had even though the graphics weren't as good it feels like it had a little bit more of a fluid playing style oh if you go back and play let's see I have I have Madden 2001 here but also I have somewhere around here Vince Young when he was on the cover and I cannot remember the exact one that one is Madden 08. My my daughter came here and rearranged my room for me. Uh, if you were to look at the gameplay, the gameplay in, in 22 is better, but the options on those are better. You can change your team. You can build a team. You can change your plays. It's, it's just, I don't know why they haven't done more on that. But I guess that could be another podcast. Yeah, I know a lot of people also get angry over taking out the, uh, uh, not career, uh, franchise mode. Oh, it's what my friends and I like to do is we, we sometimes will skip ahead a season just to draft. We love the draft. And I figure out why I'm not a GM right now. I don't do very good <laughs> at drafting. But again, I played a couple of days ago and I quit halfway for, through the second quarter because I was getting boat raced. Mm. I was like, I am not that good. I want to play a game to have fun. I'm not in it for this competition where people i don't even know how they're doing it i would love to know how they do it um you know if you can't enjoy the game you're not gonna play it very long now as a titans fan i mean 
almost right out of the gate, whenever they went under the name, the Titans, they had immediate success. I mean, 99 is whenever they went to the new name and that's whenever they went to the Super Bowl. So during those first few years from the 99 season throughout the early 2000s, man, like who were, uh, who was your favorite player on the squad? Oh, oh man. I tell you what, uh, I could probably make it uh, over in my corner here. I have, for my first Christmas when the Titans became the Titans, uh, I don't even know where my mother got it. Next to my Bob Ross plush animal and my Yeti plush animal, I have a Steve McNair and Eddie George plush plushies, I guess is what they call them. Um, those are two of my all-time favorites. You put Javon Curse next to him. You put Derek Mason next to him. You put uh, Frank Wachek. Uh, Samari Roll. Um, uh, there's many, many more. Drew Brent Bennett when he was when he was there. Uh, I just, I'm Kevin Dyson. I'm actually looking over here at a picture of the Music City Miracle. Kevin Dyson to me is one of my all-time favorites. Um, but there's a whole lot more, and I'm leaving people off. And, and Bruce Matthews. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's again, there's so many more that that if I and it's and it's a shame that I'm leaving them off, and I apologize for that, but. Uh, the the older Titans really drew me in and it's what draws, you know, it's, it's when you look back and say, well, what are your favorite teams? The, the 2000 team, not the year that they went to the Super Bowl, but the year that they got beat in the first round by the Ravens. And I remember where I was when that happened. That was to me the best Titans team that I've ever seen play. Over the Super Bowl team. Yes. Yes. That team, that team could have, beaten the Rams the Super Bowl team didn't have the offense that the 2000 had that team in 2000 could have beaten the Rams um they just had there was about two or three plays in that Ravens game that really made a difference well that was a strange game too because they played each other earlier that year and it was uh what was it 23 to 20 it was a fairly close game whatever they played in the regular season but then it's like all of a sudden the third quarter, you had the Titans kicker that missed a field goal. Then they the Titans blocked a punt. And then the Ravens, I think, blocked a field goal attempt for a touchdown. And then Ray Lewis scored his uh, interception for a touchdown in that game to pretty much seal yeah. it. Yeah, that's that's the play where people said Eddie George got owned. But mm. I want to point out something about three years later, Eddie George returned the favor. And after that, people quit talking like that. But that game uh, really was that game, and then the 2008 Titans team when they got beaten the first round because Chris Johnson got hurt uh, really put a dagger in in the Titans fandom. It was it was pretty bad. Well, Vince Young wasn't playing in that game either, right? No, Kerry Collins was the quarterback that year. That was the year where the Titans were undefeated up until the time they played the Brett Favre led Jets. You believe that? Yeah, that's like an asterisk in a career. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That I actually had the cover of Madden with Brett Favre as, as on the cover athlete. I thought, no, he he is. He's not a Jet. He's not a Viking. He's a Packer. Would you say the Ravens Titans rivalry is one of the more underappreciated ones in the NFL? Yeah, because and, and the reason why it's underappreciated is because the Titans really hadn't put much. And uh, until the last three years, really hadn't put much up against the Ravens. The Ravens have just been that good. 
and the Titans really have not been that good. But if you were to look back at from 99 to 2008, that is on par with some of the best robberies in the NFL. Yeah, well, the way people, I think, talk about Pittsburgh and Baltimore, you can almost say the same thing with Titans and Baltimore because they were always low scoring. They were always defensive slugfest. I mean, it, it was kind of one of those things. You didn't really know which way the game was going to go. And to add to that, it's like whoever was hosting the team in the playoffs was going to lose. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happened in 2000 and 2008. But what makes it worse um, is people like Derek Mason and Steve McNair becoming, becoming Ravens. Mm-hmm. Again, I understand you want to continue your 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 football career. But when you go from one to your rival, it, it's almost well. It's kind of like Bret Hart going to the Vikings. It's it just hurts. You know, I I, I have a, a McFarlane, uh, Steve McNair figure of him throwing. He's a he's a Titan on this. But I also saw that right next to it, I could have bought him as a Raven. Uh, no, he's a Titan. It will always be a Titan. Whenever he signed to that, did your opinion of him sink immediately? No, no, because it's it's his career, it's his life. My my opinion of the Titans changed a little bit. I get that you ha- it's a business, but that man pretty much left all his his health on that field. He he deserved another. He deserved a better thing than to be locked out of the of the facility. He was locked out. He was locked out. They. Um, they locked him out because if he got hurt, they would have no trading uh, leverage. So they locked him out. Wow. And I get it. It's a job. It's a, it's a, it's a business. Um, but that guy really left everything on the field every time. And he deserved better than that. How much difference do you think his legacy would have been had they won that Super Bowl? Oh, they would have won 2000 as well. You think so? They would have won two. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It it's kind of like if, what would happen if if the Bills won their first Super Bowl against the uh, let's see they played the Giants if they if it wasn't wide right if it was right down the middle they would have won again. Uh, Steve McNair would be in the Hall of Fame right now, and so would Eddie George. Yeah, McNair was always a guy that just seemed like. I mean, being a Steelers fan, I can almost see a lot of like early similarities between McNair and Ben. I mean, a lot of people will compare. McNair to uh, McNabb and I guess to a lesser extent Michael Vick whenever Vick first came in the league as like mobile running quarterbacks but you know he was really the original before either of those guys came into the league he was shrugging off guys and taking off field and really using his mobility to his advantage at a time when it wasn't really in vogue they didn't uh Jeff Fisher really didn't use him like he did later on about 2000 2001 he started throwing the ball but the big thing is they had Eddie George they had a a very short passing game. Uh, McNair made plays. In fact, that last play where he throws the ball to Dyson in the Super Bowl, it was made because McNair moved. Now, the thing about McNair that's different than, say, a Vic is McNair went left and right a lot. Now, I'm playing I, – I unlocked Vic on, uh, on Madden. And I was like, you know what? I've got Michael Vic. I'm going to run the ball with him. Right, And he's insane. He runs up and down the field. Steve McNair wouldn't do that very much. Steve McNair was better curling out and throwing the ball because his vision was so good 
and his his uh, his instinct to throw the ball was so good that when he would add another two seconds to the play, uh, he won a he won MVP because of it. He was just that good. Well, that play in the Super Bowl before the uh, the tackle at the one yard line. I mean, I think you mentioned it whenever he was scrambling around and he used his hand to keep him from uh, touching the turf. And then he, I think it was Mason or Dyson that he hit for the first down to get him in position to go ahead for the touchdown. I mean, that was an incredible, it's like one of those incredible plays that you forget about because they lost the game. I thought he broke his leg. Yeah. <laughs> that was, it was that, a pretty impressive. That was an athletic move. It was move very impressive. One. Now, as far as, go Look. I remember where I was when I found out he died. Here's the thing. Um, if we judge people by what they do on a field, that's one thing. If we judge people by their life, that's another. I choose, and call me ignorant, but I choose to just remember him as what he did out in the community and what he did out in the, out in the field. I, his personal life was his business, but I still wear my number nine jersey with pride. Wait, when did he die? He died on July fourth, uh, I believe, uh, two thousand and nine. Yeah, that was um, two thousand eight. I can't remember the exact year. Yeah, I think I was like still really getting into football at that time, so that news kind of glossed over to me at the time when I first found out about it, and I never really dug deep into it. It hit really hard here in Tennessee. Now, as far as uh, the franchise goes, it's weird how some franchises always have a winning formula, no matter what decade it is, you know, if you're like a Green Bay Packer, you know, you've seen the success of your franchise is rested on quarterbacks. And for the Titans, it's always have been around the running game. And you've had Eddie George, you've had uh, Chris Johnson, and you obviously had Derrick Henry. So right. I'm curious for you as a Titans fan, if you were building a roster and you had two spots at the running back position, who do you have to leave out between George Henry and Johnson? I don't take my Titans fan by saying this. <laughs> um, if you were looking for consistency, you're look. If it's just one year, you're taking Derrick Henry and Chris Johnson. But if you're looking for a long term, you're taking Derrick Henry and Eddie George. Chris Johnson had about three years, three or four years where he was just amazing, and after that, it just it just fell off. But Eddie George and Derrick Henry. And Henry would have won the rushing title again this year if he mm -hmm. stayed in there. John, uh, Johnson Taylor is amazing, but Derrick Henry would have broke 2,000 again. You're looking at consistency over a long period of time. You're looking at those two guys. So I would go Eddie George and, and Derrick Henry. Yeah, I, I'm tempted to say the same because Johnson had just that breakaway speed. But Eddie George, I felt like, was a guy – I mean, Henry, in my opinion, is a complete package. But George was a guy who – he always played with a lot of great desire. I mean, when he got hit at the goal line, you just see him chomping his feet to get across it. I always respected the way that he played. I, I stood next to that guy um, a couple of years ago. He is humongous. And I can imagine that when he was playing football, he was bigger. I just, I was just like, I would not want to be hit by this guy. Right. Now, who is like your uh, least favorite AFC South rival? AFC South, <laughs> the Colts, um, because they win. <laughs> you know, the Texans I can tolerate because I kind of like the Houston Texans. The Jaguars are just 
not that big of a rival right now. But the Colts, good gracious, uh, we had to deal with Peyton Manning. We had to deal with Andrew Luck. We had to deal with Carson Wentz this year. And Carson Wentz is better than what most people think he is. Like That's just about unfair. Yeah, that's uh, for you to say that after he lost the Jaguars, you're pretty much going out on a whim to say that now. Well, I I, I can't say – I'm not going to lie to you. I, I smiled a little bit. I smiled a little bit when the Ravens didn't make the playoffs. I smiled just a little bit. But Carson Wentz is actually a decent quarterback. He is not Andrew Luck. He is not Peyton Manning. But he's a better quarterback than most people give him credit for. I'm just saying that. Yeah, but unfortunately, that's not good enough, though. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. Um, but here I'm trying to keep positive. I'm trying to keep – I'm trying not to uh, jinx my Titans for Saturday, so I'm trying to say positive things overall. <laughs> <laughs> What's your feeling on the game? Uh, it would be about 24-17 Titans. I think uh, if you can keep uh, Burrow from doing what he does – and I think the Titans defense has a good front four that can put pressure. They don't have to send a jail, jailbreak blitz to get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, you keep plays in front of them. Uh, I think in, with Derrick Henry coming back, just hold the ball. Um, we're going to outscore the, the, the Bengals, but we're not going to beat them by 20 points. It's not going to be like that. Do you see Derrick Henry having uh... – a set of fresh legs, or do you think it's going to take a little while to get back in the swing of the game? Derrick Henry is uh, is a funny running back. Uh, I when he got when he got drafted in the second round, I say, why in the world did we get Derrick Henry? We have Demarco Murray. I'm that's when I'm that's why I'm not a GM. Um, he takes some time to get going. So if you look at the first quarter, he's going to get about five or six carries. He's not going to do much, but the second, third, fourth quarter. None of the Bengals are going to want to touch him. He is going to roll. Yeah, he's a bruiser, man. I mean, the uh, the one time I really saw him get stopped dead in his tracks was last year when Pittsburgh played uh, at Tennessee. And Robert Spillane and him had that head-on collision at the goal line. But Spillane left the game after that. So even 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 when you stop him, it's still a futile effort because you're going to be – it's going to cost your team. I don't want to – Derrick Henry is the guy, like Eddie George is the guy you don't want to tackle in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So and, one and last, You know what it does? It opens up the play-action pass. It opens up the down downfield. Uh, Ron Tannehill is, is, is going to hit. Uh, we got Julio back. I think we've only had Julio, uh, AJ, and Derrick for five games this year. Mm. You imagine that five games. Well, that's how that's how Tannehill, in my opinion, is so pretty. He's pretty good. I'm not saying he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league, but I think that's why he's most efficient is because he's able to get that play action pass off of Henry. And they've been a good. I think they've done well, like kind of filling in that gap, even though Harriet uh, Henry has been out though. It's. I'm very. We should not have been. We. I, I know. I knew we were going to make the playoffs. But when you start 91 guys in a season, you're not the number one ranked team in the AFC. You're just not going to be that way. Mike Brable better be the coach of the year. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his. I was kind of curious as, as to how he would do because I feel like some former players don't really make the best coaches. 
And it, you almost want to kind of consider him part of the Belichick tree, even though he never actually coached under him because you just want to see that tree succeed at some point down the lineage. But yeah, I think he's done an incredible job ever since he got there. So one last question before we go on to our Titans trivia. Uh, what is your proudest moment as a Titans fan? Okay, you got to narrow it down. What, what, do you, what do you mean by that? The moment where you just said, I'm glad I root for this franchise. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, and no one else. Uh, it was probably – it was probably the run two years ago where we beat the Patriots and we beat the Ravens and got we got beat down by the Chiefs, but the Chiefs won the Super Bowl that year. That was probably the moment where I said I was proud. Because there's been years from about 2009 on where I couldn't say anything. I kept my fandom quiet. Uh, I got introduced. I, I, I said a prayer opening the uh, the House of Representatives up in Nashville. And they asked me to say a little bit about myself and, and that's I put down that I'm a Titans fan and it's a sickness and people laugh because they understood what I'm talking about. But for the past three years, because of that run in the playoffs, we have been just, it's just been one thing after another that I've been very proud to be part of this team. Uh, we have pride with the two-tone blue and it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it was certainly unexpected to see the success that they've had in recent years, ever since Tannehill really took over. It seems like the team kind of took on a new identity. But yeah, that run was, if they would have been able to hold on to their lead against the Chiefs, I think they probably would have gone to beat on the 49ers because they just seemed like a team that had momentum on their side all the way. I, and, and even last year, if we had a defense that can keep, to get the, get off the field on the third down, we would have. I think we could have won the Super Bowl last year. This year, we have a defense that can keep a team off the field. We we do. We're not going to get, like I said, we're not going to get boat raced. It's just not going to be that way. Man, if you can run the ball, the world is yours. So Absolutely. we'll see what happens, man. All right. Well, we're about to move on to our Tennessee Titans trivia. Jeremy and myself have fifteen questions each. And seeing as you are on the guest on the show, you can decide if you want to kick it off or if you want me to ask you the first question. I will defer to the second half. Okay. You ready for this? Uh, probably not, but let's do it anyway. There we go. I love the attitude. Okay, question one. All right. Who was the first player to catch a touchdown pass for the Tennessee Titans when they officially took the field as such in 1999 against the Bengals? Was it A, Derek Mason? B, Isaac Bird, C, Kevin Dyson, or D, Yancey Thigpen? Oh, gosh. I remember that game, too. It was 26-20, I believe, was the final score. No. Yeah, it was 26-20, I believe it was. Uh, golly. Was it Isaac Bird? Nope. Kevin Dyson. Kevin Dyson. Oh, gosh. I remember that game. That was uh, – that year, the Titans went eight zero in at at uh, in Nashville. Gosh, well, I'm only one now, folks. <laughs> Plenty of time to catch up. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it's probably going to be a lot more O's. Um, all right, you ready? Let's do it. Now this this is this is uh, a question that I want to ask everybody. You got to know this answer. 
1997, the Oilers became the first NFL team to call Tennessee home. We know that. What is Tennessee's nickname? The state of Tennessee's nickname, the volunteer state, the challenging state, the homebound state, or the Memphis state? The volunteer state. Yes. Yes. And that is, uh, you know, people say, well, why aren't you a volunteer fan? Well, you tend to be a fan of the first team you watch, but the volunteer named because of 1812 or 1812. That's actually a good way to put it. You're always a, you're always a fan of the first team you watch. You really are. You really are. No matter how bad they are or good are, it's what you are. Who was the, the first time, the first team that you saw the volunteers the first play? First team I uh, – say it again. Who was the first team you saw play the volunteers against who? Uh, the first team I play, I saw play was Vanderbilt uh, play somebody and got beat. Mm. I've seen a lot of Vanderbilt losses. <laughs> a lot. Well, the, weren't they better when you were growing up, though? No. No, they in in 2008 they went to the Music City Bowl. I had to go to that. I saw them win. That was the coldest game I ever been to. And then about three years later, they went back to Music City Bowl. I saw Matt Ryan play, and I saw Mike Glennon play, and they won the Music City Bowl there too. And that's the only uh, real, real good Vanderbilt teams that I've got to see play. Gotcha. They I think that's uh, in the 80s. isn't that where uh, didn't Aaron Rodgers' brother go to Vandy? Yeah, Jordan Rogers played uh, played at Vanderbilt. No, he uh, he did pretty well. Yeah, you can never beat it. So did my boy Jay Cutler, though. Jay Cutler. I was looking at some of the stuff I had in my shed. Uh huh. I got a lot of Jay Cutler stuff. I'm just gonna say that. I miss Jay. I think the I, NFL. I think the NFL needs that kind of quarterback. The guy that just shows up hungover with a cigarette in his mouth, puts on a helmet, just goes in the huddle. <laughs> he was a throwback. All right. Question two, which of the following Titans quarterbacks is the only one to throw for more than 30 touchdowns in a single season for the franchise? A, Vince Young, B, Ryan Tannehill, C, Steve McNair, or D, Matt Hasselbeck? Ryan Tannehill did it. Yep. I think yeah, Vince did it last year. Yeah. I think Vince Young actually – made the Pro Bowl once having thrown more interceptions than touchdowns. Yeah, but what Vince did was he made football fun for about a year. Um he was a lot more dangerous because people I mean if you if you think about it, people couldn't drop back in zone coverage. They had to have a, a spy on him all the time. And that's why he was such a fun fun quarterback to watch. Yeah, and then I think he was—he uh, went out being remembered as the guy that went to the Eagles when they signed a bunch of those free agents, the dream team. I think he was the one that coined that phrase for that team. Didn't really bode out as well. It might have been the year I think Andy Reid got fired. I think he did all right, though. Yeah. I think, I think Andy landed on his feet. He got the last laugh, that's for sure. Although I guess the Eagles did too, though. I think they did all right, too. Yeah. I, I would I would love to have that chance this year. I, I don't care. Just one Super Bowl in my lifetime will be fine with me. Mm-hmm. Now, you're sitting there with a Steelers shirt on. You've had a few, so you, anyway. All right, ready? It feels like a lifetime ago, though. Yeah, but still, you've had it. Yeah. You've had it. What Agreed. Titans player was named NFL Rookie of the Year 
Defensive Rookie of the Year in 1999? Blaine Bishop, Anthony Dorsett, Philip Glover, or Javon Kirsch? Uh, Javon Kirsch. Yes. Probably my all-time favorite uh, defensive player. If I could put him, Jarrell Casey, and Jeffrey Simmons on the front with Kyle Vandenbosch, I, it would, that would be my dream team. Right. He's he's your all time favorite defensive player for the Titans, or just period. Uh, my, my all time favorite defensive player would probably be Lawrence Taylor or or Ronnie Lott, somebody like that. But for the Titans, it's Javon Curse. Yeah, it's amazing how Lawrence Taylor. I think I, for some reason I've been hearing this a lot within the past couple of weeks. People just reiterating. I mean, on Monday night last night on the game they mentioned it, but just about Lawrence Taylor being the best defensive player anyone ever saw. You had to actually plan for him, not for 11, for Lawrence Taylor. You had to plan for 55. And without that, just that, that line, that uh, Giants team, oh my goodness, they were just amazing. But he actually, I think, was a big reason why they started the uh, two tight end formations in the, in the league with Joe Gibbs. You had to have somebody to chip him. Yeah, well, he, well, the tackle and even even a fullback coming out of the backfield wasn't enough to slow him down. So they had to kind of put an extra tight end on that side to really complete the double team. Oh, and probably my favorite Lawrence Taylor story is him being on the water boy. I actually never saw the water boy. All right, you got never. a job to do. You got to see the water boy. It's there classic. Are, there are some movies I still haven't gotten around to seeing. Like I've never seen the Titanic. It's okay. I'll tell you what happened. Yeah, yeah. Itching to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In 2003, the NFL split the MVP award between two candidates for only the second time in league history. Steve yeah, McNair Peyton, was one of the Peyton winners. Steve McNair. Okay, you uh, you didn't even need the choices then. No, no. I remember that one right off the top of my head. And that cut, and Number one, because we had MVP here, but number two, I put on my Facebook page, a picture of Steve McNair and, and Peyton Manning standing next to each other. I said, here's the greatest quarterback to ever live and Peyton Manning next to him. And I got a lot of feedback from that. <laughs> so people just can't sense sarcasm. Oh yeah. Not on, not on Facebook. No, no. Unless you weren't actually being sarcastic, which. Oh no. I, and that's I'm a different aware, conversation. <laughs> I'm aware the goat is Joe Montana. I get it. But I was being sarcastic because it was just being silly. And boy, I got, woo. Well, I think people would especially give you something now for uh, not saying Tom Brady is the GOAT. Super Bowls, did Joe Montana lose? Oh, when you get to 10 Super Bowls, I mean, it's difficult to win all of them. I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm no, saying. I, I can certainly see it. You're probably not. You're probably not alone, though. I think everybody is just afraid to go against Tom. Oh, and again, the one thing I like about this, Aaron, is that you can have opinions. I'm not downgrading Tom Brady. I understand Tom Brady. I just have a a connection with Joe Montana. Just it is well, what it is. Well, it, it it also has to be taken into account that Tom has been playing for 22, 23 years now. At this point, I mean, Montana was what 14 years. And he would have done a, he would have played a lot more if it wasn't for injuries. Yeah. Tom has had a great year, a great career. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer when he retires 20 years from now. But 
It's just something about Joe Montana. Yeah, actually, now that we're uh, talking about the uh, the catch or after this weekend between the 49ers and Cowboys was the 40th anniversary of the catch. I remember, I guess it was about a year ago, maybe a little less that I watched that game on YouTube. And Joe really didn't have a great game. I mean, he had like two or three, maybe even four turnovers. But when it mattered most, yeah, but when it mattered most, that's whenever he came in in the clutch. It was on NFL Network a couple of days ago, and I, I told my dad, come in here and watch this. And I said, you watch what Joe Montana does. He's going to throw the ball where he knows Dwight Clark is going to be. And I said, Joe Montana did not know he completed that pass. He didn't know what happened until he saw it on video later on. And I said, that shows you how good of a quarterback he is, that he knew where the play was going to be. Mm-hmm. There was a There was a similar play like that this weekend in Buffalo. Did you see that in the opening drive? When they scored their first touchdown, Allen was rolling out to his right. It looks like he's an inch away from being out of bounds, and he tosses it up to his tight end, Knox. I was, I was thinking of the play that uh, that cost the – oh, what was it? The, the play that where he was out of bounds and the whistle blew. Yeah, I, oh, I remember yeah. that play. That, yeah. Yeah, that, that, was, that was cool. All right, you ready? Yep. All right. Which, and I'm trying to read my writing, and I, I don't do very well. Which running back duo was known as Smash and Dash? Earl Campbell and Lorenzo White? Eddie George and Rodney Thompson, Thomas? Um, Ronnie Coleman and Rob Carpenter and Chris Johnson and Lindell White? Hmm. What was the first option? Earl Campbell and Lorenzo White. Smash and dash. I'm going to go with Chris Johnson and uh, who was his uh, counterpart? Linda White. Yeah, Linda White. Man, you are three for three. All right. I, I, should, say, I, yeah. I don't even remember Linda White. <laughs> we don't either. It was Chris Johnson's show. Linda was just along for the ride. Yeah. Why? Well, I, I figure when you throw uh, Johnson's name in there, Dash is an appropriate nickname. That that guy, he uh, I think he held the record for the forty at the at the pro day or the uh, the combine for twenty years, fifteen years, really? just until recently. Yeah, it's it's insane how fast that guy could run. Does he still? Uh, he doesn't hold the record for the most yards, right? No, I mean, there's only in a, in, in a season. Yeah, because there's there's six running backs. No, Eric, Eric, Eric Dickerson still holds it with 2,105. Okay. This year, I do believe on the pace that Derrick Henry was going before he got hurt, he would have broke it by two, 200 yards. He must still be in the top 10, though, for rushing yards this year, yeah? Number nine. Number nine, yeah, that's incredible. I think there was a while where he was he had been out for probably a month and he was still like number four in the league. Oh yeah, yeah, and that just shows you. I'm kind of glad that he got a break because we would have ran his legs off this year. Oh. Was it's like you find somebody good, you run him, but at the same time you're going to run this guy to death. Yeah, that's kind of a that's kind of how things kind of go in Pittsburgh too. Mike Tomlin just loves the bell cow. Like whether it's Najee or Bell, 
I guess Bettis to an extent too, when he was in his prime was pretty much the one that got most of the carries, but I don't know. I do kind of like having the, uh, you know, sort of the workhorse, but then again, you look at, uh, you know, it seemed like new England early on, they were always great at rotating backs. Dante Harris is a bad, bad man. I I love watching him play. Yeah, I just it's it's strange. He's actually has like twelve hundred yards, which I think is in the top five this year, and that's one of the worst offensive lines I remember seeing from the team. You got a good one though. You got a good one. Build around him. Oh yeah, he had a really insane catch against Baltimore, where it was like a one-handed grab. It was like a two-yard pass, obviously, but he made this incredible one-handed grab and if he doesn't reach up and bring that down it's a pick six going the other way to end the season going off a little bit but if you can do it might as well yeah okay we're gonna go a little more of a painful memory here what is the longest playoff what is the longest playoff drought the tennessee titans have experienced since 1999 is it a eight seasons b six seasons c four seasons or d ten seasons Ten, not eight. Eight. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember. We went to playoffs last year and the year before that. And what year is this? This is two thousand. It'd be two thousand one. Yeah. Yeah. Two thousand ten was the last year that we went to the playoffs. So you're right. Eight years. It How just did you, felt like ten years. What, what did you do to kind of keep your interest in football at that time? Obviously, you're always going to love the Titans, but I mean, like, how how do you kind of keep your spirits up and the interest in the sport after your team just continuously misses. I, I got in the corner with my Steve McNair slush, uh, <laughs> plus, uh, plushie and rocked back and forth and cried. Um, I just, you, you just, uh, you just go for it. You just hope for the best. One thing I learned as a Vanderbilt fan is that every year, next year is going to be better. Next year is going to be better. Next year is going to be better. And next year never came. Well, for the Titans, we finally got it next year. And so far it's been pretty good. So you, you never know. I, I'm a I'm not an optimist, I'm not a pessimist, but I'm I, I always know that there's can always be something better coming. Right. In life. And then that's uh that's probably what happens. That's a very stoic outlook. Right. Hey, it is it is what it is. I hear you. It is if you if you lived if you lived twenty years as a Vanderbilt Commodore fan, you become a little bit like that. <laughs> if you haven't grown bitter. Uh, yeah. All right, you ready? This one right here, I remember this play, and this actually is I got almost had the chance to meet this man. Which Titan was ejected from a game for stomping on an opponent's head? You ready? Yep. Keith Bullock. Javon Curse, Jarrell Casey, or Albert Hainsworth? This was in a game? It was in a game. He was playing the Cowboys. Albert Hainsworth. Yes. yes. I, I, uh, I, I thought this might be a trick question because I think I remember hearing a story that in the middle of practice, he stopped on his own teammate. Like he kicked him in the chest or something like that. I don't know if that actually happened was a in the middle of the game albert hainsworth was getting up and just jack smacked him with the back of his bottom of his foot on top of his head and it was absolutely the dumbest thing that i've ever seen in my life it's like come on blood everywhere now luckily the helmet took care of that but 
you don't do that. Yeah. I can remember him when he was with the Redskins. He just gave up on a play. I mean, he was just laying there after the run had gone to the opposite side, and he's just laying flat on his stomach, just like up and looking like a schoolgirl, just like sitting on her bed, sitting by the phone. <laughs> yeah, he came walking into a Logan's there in Nashville one time. That is the biggest man I've ever seen in my life. No, And no. I stood next to Walter Jones, and Walter Jones is a huge guy too. Is he – how tall is he? Is he like tall and big, or is it just the weight is just piled on for no card? I mean, you you look at you look at him. You're gonna look up, and you're gonna have to look around. He is tall. He's big, and and you think, well, he's a defensive lineman. He'd be fat. no, no, no. He's he's muscle. He's stout. He's muscle. Yeah, he's stout. Yeah, he's definitely not a guy I'd probably want to get in his face. No, no. But then again, if you're at Logan's and you're having some drinks, you never know what could happen. I'll make sure I stay far. I asked one of the one of the uh, waiters there and said, "Is that Albert Hainsworth?" He said, "Yes, but leave him alone. He's not the biggest people person out there." I think he's changed uh, because he's had some things come up in his life and he realizes what fans mean to him. But at the time, he was not the biggest people person that you would want to meet. Yeah, there's like the old adage that the uh, the silence is deafening. I think a lot of them, whenever they kind of realize after they're retired that they don't really have a lot of close people around them, that what they had was really special, even if it was at a distance with the fans. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, speaking of fans that this person probably lost a lot of, Jeff Fisher oh, yeah. is, is tied with Dan Reeves, rest in peace, for the most regular season losses at 165. <laughs> who handed who handed Jeff Fisher his final loss as the Titans coach? A, the Pittsburgh Steelers, B, the Indianapolis Colts, the Jacksonville Jaguars, or the Houston Texans? Oh, gosh. I remember that season, too, because we thought Jeff would come back. Was it the Pittsburgh Steelers? Indianapolis Colts. Ah. I thought, I thought given how much you hate the Colts, that would be a, a layup. Well, that's the thing. Uh, I didn't – I'm trying to remember. I remember that season. I remember saying Jeff Fisher going to come back next year, and then all of a sudden we get about a week later, he's saying he's not coming back, and he went to St. Louis. That was weird. He that's was only in, weird. He was only in St. Louis for, what, two years? He he and I and I kept telling people I said he's going to be a good quarterback for the transition because he has transitioned from Houston to Nashville. He would transition from St. Louis to LA. He did it. He did it, but he didn't do enough. Yeah, he uh, he could have really ruined golf. I think what they I've been watching a lot of stuff about him and Vince Young lately, and uh, I, people have said that. Vince did a lot to himself, but Jeff Fisher did a whole lot to him too. Yeah, like in what way? Um, Jeff Fisher did not want to draft Vince Young. Uh, He wanted to draft Matt Leinard or Jay Cutler, and that draft, I would have, I would have just basically done somersaults if I could have bought a number six Tigers jersey. I've got a number six Bears jersey and a number six. Broncos jersey. I would love to have a number six Titans jersey. He didn't want Vince Young. Bud Adams being a native 
Texan, where actually he's from Oklahoma, but he down in Houston, uh, knew Vince Young, watched Vince Young, fell in love with Vince Young. Vince Young was a younger, more mobile Steve McNair. He told Steve, uh, Jeff Fisher, draft Vince Young. Guess what Jeff Fisher had to do? Draft Vince Young. Did all right the first year. Vince Young won uh, rookie of the year, but it just it went downhill from there. Yeah, it just seemed like Fisher had a refusal to catch up with the league. Yeah, it's good. Jeff it, Fisher. There, there's very few coaches, I think, that are in the same mold as Jeff Fisher that have withstood the test of time. Like, I think Mike Tomlin, I think Sean McDermott, I would also throw. Even John Harbaugh, I think I would kind of throw as those guys who are more defensive disciplinarian types. Well, maybe I shouldn't say disciplinarian, but definitely the old school minded emphasize toughness over the ingenuity that's happening right now. You know, they'll hire guys to do that kind of work but they're focused on the old school methods and i feel like fisher wouldn't really embrace the other side of the game no no if you wanted an eight eight season you'd get jeff fisher yeah. but the, but the thing about jeff fisher is he also holds and i don't know the exact number off the top of my head but he holds the the uh number one ranking of wins in, in titan history titan roller history and he beat uh, he beat out Bum Fish uh, Bum Phillips, two thousand and five or two thousand six, something like that. It was amazing. Uh, he he won a lot, but he also lost a lot. Well, and it's a little disappointing too because he had really spent most of his coaching career in the Houston, Tennessee era. I mean, I, I think he was a linebackers coach when they were in Houston for about eight or nine years before they moved to Tennessee. Right, he was he was made interim coach when they were in Houston, got the uh, got the title t- uh, coach, and then about two years later, they went to Memphis, and then they went to Vanderbilt, and they went to where they are now. So he's he's been through a lot with with uh, Tennessee. In fact, up there, I, somebody gave me uh, Jeff Fisher signed a football for him. They gave it to me for Christmas one year. I still treasure that because I I do like Jeff Fisher, but. If you want an eight and eight team, that's the t- that's the coaches you want to have. Yeah. Well, at least you think of the good the good years early on in, in oh, the 2000s. I, I, again, you try to look at the good stuff. That's right. All right. Let me give you a hard one since since uh, since you have gotten them all so far. You ready? Give it to me. What stadium did the Titans first play at when they moved to Nashville? TSU, which is Tennessee State, Jerry's World. Neyland Stadium or Vanderbilt Stadium? What was the third option? Neyland Stadium. Uh, Volunteer Stadium. That would be Neyland Stadium, and that is that is not right. It is Vanderbilt. What did I say? He said Neyland oh, State okay. or Volunteer. <laughs> I get the the two Vs mixed up. <laughs> I, I figured I figured you knew what you were saying. It's Vanderbilt. It's, you you had it right. No, I, I said volunteers, man. I got it wrong. No, no, no. I'm going to give you that one because uh, not too many people know it's Neyland Stadium. They wanted to go. Bud Adams wanted to play at a place that had a lot of people that could fit there. So they went to Memphis and played at the Liberty Bowl. But no one came. So they went down to Vanderbilt. But the only problem is 
Vanderbilt doesn't allow alcohol sales. They don't sell alcohol. So they thought, well, I'm going to go to Neyland Stadium, but Neyland Stadium is on the other side of the planet in Tennessee. So they said, well, Vanderbilt will just stick it out of Vanderbilt for, for a year. Mm. That's got to be weird when the team moves and they didn't change the name yet. I mean, to say to call them the Memphis Oilers, just it doesn't roll off the tongue very well. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. If you can see that, that is the first hat I bought of the Titans. <laughs> it's, it, the, the hat is a, it's a pro-line, authentic hat that says Tennessee Oilers. It's actually so ugly, it's pretty. Yes, yeah, it still goes, ironically, but... Yeah, you you kind of figured they would have tried to change the name going into it, but I mean, I mean, shit, the the Browns became the Ravens immediately, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they, they became, and I'm glad they didn't take the Browns and made them the Baltimore Browns. I don't think that worked very well. No. All right. This should be a let me let me see if I can redeem myself here. This is. I'll be I'll be shocked if you don't get this one. Which defensive lineman for the Tennessee Titans was nicknamed the Freak? Okay, that's Javon Curse. There you go. See, I'd say prepare to be shocked. Prepare to be shocked, but no, I, I Javon Curse is uh, yeah, yeah. I would have had to I would have had to quit right now because I have his jersey at home. And I remember watching him play and just great guy, great guy. Although if I said Albert Hainsworth too, I figured you might you would have to uh, pause because he is a freak himself. Again, we <laughs> this is different. Definitely, are you a super freak or are you just the freak? Right. <laughs> All right, you ready? Let's do it. Who was the first Tennessee or or Titan or Oiler to rush for more than two thousand yards in a single season? Demarco Murray, Earl Campbell, Eddie George, or Chris Johnson? Did Campbell rush for 2,000 yards? I'm on Campbell. It was, it was Chris Johnson. It was Chris Johnson. Okay. I was Earl actually. Campbell that, did a lot of good things, but he didn't rush for 2,000 yards. Okay. That was actually going to be what, because I know they had two, at least two 2,000 yard rushers. But when you said Campbell, for some reason, I thought they could have went. Which which running backs have actually run for two thousand yards? It's Dickerson, Henry, Johnson. Um uh the guy from Baltimore. What was his name? He played for oh, uh, Jamal Jamal Lewis. Jamal Lewis. And uh, OJ. Uh, did uh, did uh Adrian Peterson rush for two thousand yards? Yeah, he won the MVP that year because he tore his ACL the year before that. So I think it's those six then. Yeah, yeah. And again if and I wouldn't be surprised next year with the 17-game season that you'll see, too. Jonathan think, Taylor can do it. Isn't that just diminishing the record, though? I, If you want to go diminishing the record, uh, how many games did it take for OJ to make 2012? 14. 14? Yeah. So there's I, I, the number – if you're playing football – you're doing a really good job to me if you can stay alive. Yeah, that's true. 
it just feels like with with 14 games, I mean, you're talking about a guy who really is a generational talent. And obviously anybody else who does that, I think, is in that category. It just, you know, three extra games, I feel, is probably a little more, doesn't dilute the record, but it makes it a little more lenient. Well, take it take it like this, uh, uh, yards per game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That would be the closest comparison that you can get, yards per game. Yeah. All right. There right. is uh, probably one of the best offensive linemen of all time, Bruce Matthews. Okay. Okay. He played every one of the positions on the offensive line at one point. What position did he play most often during his Hall of Fame career? Left guard, center, left tackle, right tackle, or right guard? Left guard. Yep. You're right. He played 99 at left guard, 87 at center, 17 at left tackle, 22 at right tackle, and 67 at right guard. He's got to be the most athletic lineman ever. You know, Anthony Munoz, credit to him, he's probably the best lineman ever. But Bruce Matthews to be able to play every position on the line, that's incredible. I would put Bruce Matthews, Anthony Munoz, Walter Jones, I'd put those guys up there right now. And they would still play well. Yeah, it's amazing. I think uh, probably, my dad probably. and I got to my dad and I got to meet Bruce Matthews a few years ago, and I said, "Daddy, listen, listen to Bruce as he walks, and his knees." <laughs> That's what happens when you play offensive line in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, there was a there was an interesting documentary series in the '80s that HBO did. It was called. Uh, Crap, I can't remember the name of the actual series, but they did an episode about NFL players in their post-playing career, and Jim Otto was one of them. It was called Disposable Heroes, and Otto literally couldn't walk, get out of bed without a walker, and he would be in such pain going to the bathroom right down the hall. And that was, and he played back in when he didn't have these big nose guards right over him all the time. You know. I mean, that was kind of in the days when a center more or less just kind of cut block on a defensive tackle. But now, I guess the more the deeper into his playing career, the more the injuries took toll on him. He just just had one surgery after the other. We have they have it better now, but at the same time, Jim Otto didn't have to go up against three hundred pound line, right? And you know, Bruce Matthews was going up against the uh, a new generation of running uh, defensive players like Ray Lewis. These guys are mobile missiles. They're that big and that fast. It's insane how fast and how big they are right now. Yeah, I, I don't know how often. I guess they wouldn't have played that often, but I'd be curious to see some matchups with uh, him against Reggie White. What they probably did. Uh, they had to Bruce Matthews some point. was Bruce Matthews was drafted in '83. He came out the same year that Jeff Fisher did. He was drafted by the Oilers in the first round of that 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 uh, quarterback heavy draft. It was Bruce Matthews was picked up by the Oilers, and Reggie came out came back in the NFL around '84 '85, I believe. I may not be right on that. He went to the USFL, came back. So they had to play at least once or twice, maybe more than that. Yeah, I gotta 
scroll through YouTube, see if that footage exists that's, anywhere. That's a good question. Were you a big? I got a good question. Go ahead. Uh, let's see. Okay, I think it's my turn. Okay. 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 The divisional game against the Buffalo Bills in 1999 featured a last-second lateral on the kickoff for a touchdown that came to be known as the Music City Miracle. What was the name of the play used to score on that kickoff? Was it the last chance lateral, the Dyson dash, home run throwback, or the Willie Nelson special? <laughs> it's the home run throwback. I, I would love to have heard the uh, Willie Nelson special. That would be great. Yeah, I was great. I was trying to come up with an option for Nashville that I could like come up with a catchy play with Nashville in the title, and then I eventually gave up. And for I'm some reason, it made, teach, it made me think of I'm trying to Nelson teach my kids. Sex. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to teach my kids country music. You know, I'm not talking about the new stuff. I'm talking about the old school stuff. So I'm driving around on GTA on Grand Theft Auto. And I have it on the country music station, and there's Whiskey River by by Willie Nelson. I said, "Guys, come here and listen to this. This is this is this is real country music." And my wife's like, "You're going to let them listen to Whiskey River on GTA?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm trying to teach them country music." <laughs> Video games yeah, are the best way to educate. I'm trying. I'm trying my best. Yeah, I uh, I never really got big into country. I mean, I do like some of the old country, uh, country western like a little bit of the Johnny Cash and a little bit of like the 60s Western, but that's the extent of it. Yeah, that's, you ever go down to 2nd Avenue, if you ever come up here and go down 2nd Avenue, that's all you're going to hear. Yeah. Um, I have no problem with country music. I have no problem. My music tends to be Dave Matthews, and that's pretty much it. I respect country music. I live within 10 minutes of Loretta Lynn's. Uh, Loretta Lynn, she lives right I'm pointing this way, like you can mm -hmm. tell where I'm pointing, but um, I respect country music. I respect the history. Uh, but if you were to listen to my iPod, my phone, it has Dave Matthews on it. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I never really got into Dave Matthews either, but I guess. All right, we're going to end this to today <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, that's your uh, guilty pleasure, I suppose. Before this crowded street, it, it's, it's, it's worth it. <laughs> Are you ready? Yep. Which Super Bowl record did the Titans set in Super Bowl 34? The fewest punt return yards gained. The fewest rushing yard or the most rushing yards by a quarterback. The fewest turnovers or all of the above. Well, I know there was no turnovers in that game. Yeah, um, that was, it was a very good game like that. I don't know if he would still hold the record, but I would imagine McNair probably would have set it at the time he played. I'm going to go all the above. All the above. They, yeah. had a, they, all, they also had a record for uh, the least net yards on punt returns. Negative one. Wow. Yeah, I guess the Ram I guess the Rams had a pretty good special teams unit too. They were that that game that game should it should they should have lost by 
30 points. It just shows you how well the offense, the, the defense kind of came in, especially the second half. Yeah, that was a fairly low. I mean, what was it, 23 16, the final? 23 16. It feels like the it feels like Warner's passing yardage was outrageous in that game that they should have scored at least thirty. It, it should have been it should have been a lot worse than what it was, and it started out that way. But the Titans came back and, and made it a contest. Well, there was a lot. There was a lot of uh, field goals missed too, wasn't there? They what? <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. That's yeah. There was there was Aldo Greco had had a had a moment. He's had a couple moments, man. I mean, whenever I was uh, watching some of these old games, whenever I was putting these together, he was missing a lot of field goals. He went through a, a span one year where he missed several in a row, and I was wearing, of all things, I was up, I was interviewing at different different places, and I was wearing a Titans hat in a in a uh, airport. And somebody yelled, what do you think about our kicker, Al Del Misso? I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, he, it's a bold move. Time. It's a bold move to wear a kicker's jersey because, you know, right, at, uh, at the wrong moment, all it takes is one bad kick and crucify him. I, I don't own – the only one I would want to own right now is Rob Baronis because he was just insane. Yeah. <laughs> Baronis. Okay. What is the most amount of points the Titans have given up in a regular season game? Oh, it's that game against the uh, Patriots in the snow. I can't remember the exact total. It's so you're either give me a total. Yeah, 45, 61, 48, or 59. What's up? 59, isn't it? Yep. Yep, I remember that game. That was the Patriots were wearing their old school Patriots red yeah, Jersey, the, A- the AFL uniforms. It was absolutely the worst game I ever watched. And I've seen several bad games. Yeah. And, uh, Chris Johnson couldn't get running. It was it was awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that game. Yeah, I think that was the uh, 50-year anniversary of the uh, American Football League. And that's when the Titans had those uh, Oiler helmets, right? Oh, they look beautiful, too. I, I use the Love You Blue on Madden all the time. Love it. You know, you know whose uh, uniforms were horrible that year? Denver. <laughs> Are those jerseys that the team about two or three years later burned? I don't know if they burned them, but they should have burned them on the field. Oh, they looked absolutely horrible. And I think they only had them because they were a throwaway from some other team. They were awful. Yeah, it was – I mean – the. They kind of make the Pittsburgh Bumblebee uniforms look incredible because, I mean, they had like this mustard colored look to it, like this Dijon mustard looking jerseys mixed in with the uh, brown stripes. It's just horrible. The only one that's worse than that would be the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they have a light blue and yellow. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, I haven't seen those uniforms in a while. That's like a 2009. That was probably around the same year too. I had a Donovan McNabb football card with him wearing it. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to get rid of this one. I just can't it, it, go back to the Kelly Green. Go back to the Charlie Joyner and Randall Cunningham. Yeah. Go back to that. The early, ones, 
the early ones too with the light green with the Chuck Van Eric, like that era. Um, That's a slick look um, too. Now, Philadelphia, of course, the best jersey of all time to me is the old school baby blue. San Diego, and I'm saying this right, San Diego is not the Los Angeles Chargers, San Diego Chargers. Yeah. I've been calling them the uh, the Los Angeles San Diego Chargers. That's what it is. San Diego got messed up. All right, I got you a good one here. Go for it. Who was the first quarterback to throw a touchdown pass to himself? First Titan quarterback. Steve McNair, Marcus Mariota, Vince Young, or George Flanda? Uh, I know you know the game because you probably watched it. Marcus Mariota against the yeah. Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Yep. That game, I was watching it, and I was yelling because I thought, oh, he threw an interception. I erupted, scared my daughters, my son, and my wife, and my dogs. I was running around screaming, like, what happened? I said, Marcus Mariota threw a touchdown pass to Marcus Mariota. And I and I had direct TV, so I rewound it, watched it again. I said, look at this, look at this, look at this. It was uh, it scared me and then it thrilled me. Yeah, that like I feel like two song. Uh, yeah. I think that that almost seems like the game that pretty much got Alex Smith out of Kansas City. It did. Um of course well, they what, had a pretty good quarterback right there. But. What year was the uh that game? That would have been 2017. I believe, 18. Again, I don't even know what year this is. We've been through so much lately. Yeah, that had that had to be 2017 because Mahomes obviously had was on the roster and he was blowing up. And I think I I think the first time Mahomes really got everyone's attention, well, yeah, it was 2018 because he threw six touchdowns against Pittsburgh in week two. So, yeah, that that was pretty much the game, I think, that – I mean, they were probably going to get rid of Alex Smith anyway, but that was just sort of the nail in the coffin where it was like we can't win in the playoffs with them because a few years earlier they were in Indianapolis and they gave up a big comeback against the Colts with Andrew Luck. They were up huge in that game and they just blew it. Andrew Luck, it's almost unfair that the Colts have had Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck back to back. It's almost unfair. Yeah. Well, thankfully, you, thankfully you, for you, he retired prematurely. Blessings. <laughs> yeah. All right. Derrick Henry became the second back in NFL history to run for a 99 yard touchdown. Who was the other back to accomplish this feat? That would be Tony Dorsett. Yep. Tony Dorsett awesome. did that with a 10 man. He had 10 men on the field. Yeah. Oh, they had 10 players in the field? Yeah. He, he did. They didn't have the full uh, assortment of uh, Dallas Cowboys out there. They had 11 <laughs> on defense, but they only had 10 on offense. And he, Tony Dorsett, oh, the Seattle Seahawks traded that pick away. They they regret that. What was uh, – Tony Dorsett should have been Seattle. Who was the, uh, the defense? Was it the Falcons? I, I don't remember. I remember the play, but I can't remember who he did it against. Yeah, I feel like it would have been the Falcons. Probably. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the year where Dallas didn't think they were going to get Tony Dorsett. Somehow they finagled the Seahawks into getting him. And Dorsett should have been a Seahawk, but he became 
one of the greatest running backs of all time for the Cowboys. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Yeah. All right, you ready? Yep. You know this one right off the top of your head. You probably can jump in here. Which Titans wide receiver was tackled one yard short of a potential game-tying touchdown in Super Bowl thirty-four? Kevin Dyson. Kevin Dyson. He was also the one that did the Music City Miracle. That's got to be that's that's got to be really bittersweet, right? Like you have one of the most iconic plays on one end of victory, and one of the most iconic plays in defeat. Somehow, I ended up with two. Somebody drew, I mean, just beautiful paintings of those two plays, and I ended up with two cards like that. And somebody got them signed for me for Kevin Dyson. And one is absolutely joy where they're watching Kevin with his eyes big, celebrating, running down the field, and the other one so close to tying the game in the Super Bowl. It's just in the same year, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that Buffalo game happened in the wild card. That game, that game really submitted Titans fandom to the state. If it wasn't for that game, I don't think the Titans I, – I wouldn't be a Titans fan, I'll be honest. I would still probably be a Broncos fan. That that brought me close to this team and said, you know what, follow this team. They're close and they're good and they're – and that really brought me into it. I, I could find my moment of fandom to that one game. Yeah, I'm sure that's probably what a lot of the uh, older generation Steeler fans would say about Franco and the Immaculate Reception. Oh, probably. You, probably. You, always, you always need like that iconic playoff moment to really cement yourself into people's memories and hearts. Absolutely. Okay. Which Titans wide receiver and QB combo holds the record for longest touchdown pass and reception? Since the '99 season, with 91 yards, is it Jake Locker to Kenny Britt, Tannehill to AJ Brown, Zach Mettenberger to Nate Washington, or Marcus Mariota to Derrick Henry? Okay, I don't know this one. Let's go with um, let's go with uh, what was the second one? Tannehill to AJ Brown. That's it. Oh wow. I'll take it. I think I remember the play, if it's what I'm thinking of. A.J. Brown is just insane. Just insane. Yeah, that was uh, – Jake Walker and Kenny Brent. Wow. <laughs> yeah, those, those those are sort of like the lost years. Which is really weird, man, because I remember – it was 2013. My dad and I had gone to uh, – I think I was – I think it was still in high school or I just graduated. We were at the, a restaurant watching the opening weekend against the Titans. And it was in Pittsburgh and Jake Locker was the quarterback and they won. It was a huge upset for a week one NFL game. But Locker had barely thrown the ball, but they just pounded it away. And that was that was kind of like a year I thought that the Titans might actually kind of overcome any shortcomings they might have. <laughs> you know what's funny? My daughter came out to me and she said, Daddy, look at my jerseys I've got. Like, well, what do you got? She brought up a Tyrone Calico jersey. I forgot she had that. She had a Mark Mariani jersey, which I'm very proud she had. And then she had a Jake Walker jersey. I'm like, wow, I didn't realize I bought her those. <laughs> but there we go. Yeah, I, I I thought of this question when I was watching a uh, 2014 highlight whenever uh, Zach Mettenberger was going up against Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football. And he had like an 80-yard bomb to Nate Washington. 
And I was like, that's got to be a record for the franchise. But Marcus Mariota actually had one of Derrick Henry. I think that was 80-something yards or 90-something yards, like on a screen pass. But Tannehill and A.J. Brown actually broke it. That particular play with Derrick Henry, uh, there should have been no way that he did what he did. But Derrick is just being Derrick that day. Should have been no way that that a screen pass goes that far. Yeah. Yeah. I think Zeke Elliott had a good one like that too when uh, Dak Prescott and their rookie seasons together. I think uh, Zeke busted like a 90 yarder. Oh, Zeke's a, he's a man among boys too. All right. What was the stadium named, Titan Stadium, what was it named the first year it saw action? Here's your heart. LP Field, Nissan Stadium, Titan Stadium, or Adelphia Coliseum? Adelphia Coliseum. Yep. Maybe it was not so hard. It was Adelphia, then it went to LP, and then it's now Nissan. Adelphia. <laughs> yeah, what is Adelphia? I don't know, but that's what it was, that's what it was named. I'm sure it has something to do with Greek mythology. It probably has something to do with uh I don't even know what Adelphia is. Yeah. I think it has it was that a publishing company? I don't know. That just shows you how much I kept up with that. <laughs> the Titans have lost at least one time to every NFL franchise, except for who? The Lions, the Broncos, the Giants, or the Bears. Oh my goodness. The Lions. Right. When in when in doubt, yeah. When in doubt, just pick the Lions. Yeah, here's one reason I remember that I was down in Georgia watching the Titans play the Lions on 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 uh, Thanksgiving Day, and I was the dummy and said, "No, Chris Johnson's not going to go off today, so I'm going to put him off on my fantasy team." He went off. Oh yeah, he went off. Yeah, so I remember that. One year I did fantasy. There was one year I did fantasy where uh, a buddy of mine had – he had Doug Martin. Do you remember him for the Buccaneers? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had him on and starting, I think, for like the first month of the season, and he did absolutely nothing. So he got rid of him, and another player in our league picked him up, and he was going up against the guy that just released Doug Martin, and Doug got like 56 points. He had like, yeah. four, he had like four touchdowns against the Raiders in uh, one quarter, I believe. Absolutely that's, killed him. That's the part where you, if you're not a cussing guy, you become a cussing guy real fast. Yeah. And that guy had such a stacked roster too, and he didn't even know it. And how many uh, seasons of, of, okay, let's try this again. How many of quarterback Vince Young's six seasons in the NFL did he throw more interceptions than touchdowns? Two, zero, six, or four? Two, zero, six, or four. I'm going to go four. You are exactly right. See, I, I knew there was definitely one. I feel like two is too little for Vince Young. And I feel like if you have six, like the coaching staff in the NFL is just stupid to keep you around for that long. <laughs> but that's, that's true. But it, but it, but it's crazy how he made the Pro Bowl when he threw more interceptions than he did touchdowns. Kind of like Joe, Joe Namath. I mean, people look at him as a great quarterback, but 
He threw more interceptions than he did touchdowns. Well, Bradshaw too, but that's a body of work. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe I have to go back and watch some of that games from the 2008 season, but I, I just don't know how a guy that turns it over more than he scores can possibly be viewed as by his peers as a good player. I, I wanted Jay Cutler, so that tells you what what I think about that. <laughs> Do you think there would have been like a drastic difference though in the success of the Titans if Cutler had gone to Tennessee? Oh yeah, Good I think there'd have been a difference with Matt Linder. Norm Chow was their offensive coordinator at that point. I think there would have been a big difference. The Hawaii, um, the guy from Hawaii. No, he was. I think at one point he was the offensive coordinator for the USC, the Trojans, when Matt Leinert was there. Mm. And of course, Jeff Fisher's a, uh, a Trojan. Uh, it would have been a big difference. But the thing is, I think that if Fisher gave Young a better chance, that team could have been built very similar to the Steve Young, uh, Steve McNair teams. Meaning, like, uh, when you say, Bill, like, do they not have the defense or, like, what was missing? This time around, as opposed what to what was missing, what was missing is is uh, Jeff Fisher gave Steve McNair a lot of leeway to do what he does. He didn't give Vince Young as much. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that Vince Young is as good as Steve McNair was, but I'm saying that if you gave him a chance, you would have seen a very similar play. They would have built it on the running game, short passes, and stout defense, like they did in the early, the late '90s to early 2000s. Vince uh, Young just wasn't given that opportunity. Probably didn't earn it, but he wasn't given that opportunity. Well said. Maybe you should be the GM. Um, just give me a call. Give me a call. I, I, I'll, I'll come in. I work pretty cheap. <laughs> I mean, you're a preacher. At the very least, you could uh, convince him. Well, hey, I, I actually wrote a letter to him and said, "Hey, do you guys do? Uh, do you guys do chaplains?" Weekly chaplains. I, I'll, I'll be more than happy to volunteer myself to come up one Sunday. They don't. But they, you they don't know they, unless you try. At least they got back to you. No, oh, yeah. They they sent me a sticker. <laughs> it's, it's all right. Is it on your fridge? Actually, it is. <laughs> this Titans defender earned the nickname Mr. Monday Night after intercepting Drew Brees three times in a 2007 Monday Night football game. Yeah. Samari, Keith Bullock. There you go. I was going to say either Samari Roll, Cortland Finnegan, Keith Bullock, or Kyle Vandenbosch. Oh, I got to meet both Keith Bullock and Cortland Finnegan. Um, I'm taller than Cortland, but that dude is huge. But Keith Bullock, oh gosh, I remember that game. That was awesome. That was when the Titans were on everybody's lips. They were just so excited to watch the Titans. They were on Monday night, they were on Thursday. And, and now, we're just starting to get back to that. But Keith Bullock was as underrated as, as they come, as underrated as they come. Yeah, he was a great athlete. I really Absolutely. remember the only – I really remember Cortland Finnegan for his fight with Andre Johnson. It wasn't a fight. He got – He, he got, got his ass whooped. Yeah, he got his ass whooped. <laughs> I, listen, I told my wife, I said, that's the guy we met. And she's like, he's getting beat down. It's like, you didn't see the beginning of it. It was even worse. Yeah, that was, uh, was, was, yeah, was. We need more of that in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> Kids, we're not trying to say start the fights, but if you do, put it on TV. Yeah, keep your helmet on if you're on the field. Oh, 
don't ever take your helmet off when you get in a fight. That's the dumbest thing that you can do. Don't take your helmet off. When I was in high school, there were uh, there was a scrimmage, and I think the one of the players he was the main running back on the team, and they had him playing defense that practice, and he was getting frustrated, and he started to walk off the field, and eventually he came back from the clubhouse, and they put him back in at running back, and the middle linebacker just laid him out, and then they started talking to each other, and then he tackles the running back to the ground, and the running back rips off his helmet. And they're on the pile of people are trying to pull him away. The linebacker punches him while his helmet is still on. He could have broken his hand right there. I don't know what the kid was thinking. Armstrong <laughs> gets in the way. It's dumb. But it was all, all the all of us like younger players were just sitting there looking at that. We're like, man, that was awesome. But he could have seriously. <laughs> he, I mean, he really could have like fractured his hand and been out for weeks. Could have cost him a big time for uh like either the season or scholarships or something. But anyway. What year did the Titans move to Tennessee? 97. 97. Absolutely. I remember that year. I remember that year. They were the Tennessee Oilers and then they became the Titans in 99. And it was a love story ever since. It's more of a, a one-sided. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's yeah. kind of like the Titanic if you think about it. Like, without the without the lifeboat, she could have put him on the on the uh, <coughs> the door. She could have done that, but she didn't do it. Remember, man, I've never seen the movie. Don't give don't I'm, give me. I'm any telling spoilers. you, this is what happens. And I'm a big Kate Winslet fan, but I'm so like you could have saved him. Oh. <laughs> Okay, in 1999, Steve McNair missed five games due to injury. Which backup quarterback played in McNair's place? There you go. I didn't know Neil had played for the uh, Titans until I was putting together these questions. Tell you a story. Um, the Titans used to let people go and go to their training camps. Of course, COVID really messed that up. And I would go every year, at least once a year. I would come up from Alabama to or Georgia to go to one get one train camp. And I actually got into a bus that drove us over there to Rosa Park Boulevard in that area. And a guy was wearing a Neil O'Donnell Steelers jersey and saw him on the other side of the, the, the fence area and ran out there and said, Neil, would you sign my jersey? And Neil looked at him, came over, signed his jersey, and then left. I don't know wow. why I remember that. I barely remember my kid's birthday, but I remember that. Well, that's uh that's gotta be kind of weird for Neil too, because the way he ended his career in Pittsburgh, I would imagine he never wanted to see another Steelers jersey again. No. No, no, no. He he basically made Larry Brown a MVP. <laughs> oh yeah. And anybody yeah. who play anybody who played in that Super Bowl, even on the Cowboys, would tell you, you know. Larry, he's a hardworking player, but he should not have won that MVP. The Titans pulled off the Music City Miracle against what team? Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills. And uh, I, I put last year sometime, I, I put out a Music City Miracle podcast. And I got some responses back from Bills fans. Uh, they were not pleased with me. 
the weird thing the weird thing about the play is like whenever Wachek goes to throw it, it looks like it starts forward but ends up backwards. It does. If you were to look at it, if he had tilted his wrist over to the right a little bit, it would have been a forward lateral. But I don't know what Frank Wachek does, but he does it so well that it hits Kevin Dyson in a perfect spot. And by the way, um, if Kevin d- dropped that pass, it still would have been legal for him to pick it up. It's not a forward pass. So it, it, one way or the other, it would have been it would have been fine. Yeah, one has to wonder if they're in Buffalo, if they call it that way, though. I I can't. My, my, my show is a family show. I can't tell you what they call them. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and shout out to Lorenzo Neal, too, for giving that ball to Wycheck. Lorenzo Neal catches the ball, pitches it to Wycheck. Wycheck runs forward, throws it back to Kevin Dyson. He's got something. He's got something. He's got something. There are no flags on the field. When my kid was two years old, I got to meet Mike Keith. And I told Mike Keith, I said, my kid at two years old can say the Music City Miracle. That's how bad it was. I had that that play on my computer, and I listened to it often. It's Tennessee has pulled the miracle. And the, 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 actually, the, the referee that year for that game was Phil Luckett. Phil Luckett was also the referee with the Steelers game where they flipped the coin. And Jerome Betta said something and then changed his mind. And Luckett went with the first thing he said. Mm-hmm. Luckett didn't coach after or did referee after that. It was it wasn't good for him. The drama just seems to follow some referees. All right. Which of the following were not options when Bud Adams decided to rename the Oilers franchise before finally choosing to call them the Titans? The Twisters. The Copperheads, the Pioneers, or the Mountaineers? Gosh. Oh, it would. I know the Copperheads were, and what was the third one? The Pioneers. Pioneers. They were as well. But the Twisters, I've never heard the Twisters, but yeah, it it would be the Mountaineers. That wasn't an option. Right, correct. Okay. Okay, here's the thing. Yeah. The tornado, excuse me. It was the tornadoes. They were going to be named the Tennessee Tornadoes. Yeah, that was an option too. That was the option. I'm sorry. I, I Twisters Tornadoes. You still uh, got it. You still got it right, so I got it in the in the in the scheme of things. But yeah. one thing is uh, when Titans built their stadium or building it, a tornado went through downtown Nashville. My dad was in the middle of it. A guy who goes to church with me was in the middle of it. He was actually at LP Fielder. Delphi Coliseum mm-hmm. had to run out to his van and run off. But uh, if you ever look at that tornado, it went right through that stadium type of place. It was awful. Probably a bad time to name the tornadoes. That's probably a bad time. Or I don't know. Maybe the Copperheads. I always maybe, thought the Copperheads was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, you could turn a negative into a positive. Yeah. Yeah. You could. You could. But then, but then if they don't do well, then it's a double negative. Probably where I ended up for the best. <laughs> all right, what you got I, for me? Uh, all right, well, I got one more. Uh, you'll know this one off the top of your head. Which quarterback led the Titans in Super Bowl 34? Steve McNair. Yes. 
Dude, you're giving me. I, I do believe. You're throwing me softballs. I do believe. Man. man, I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, I believe that if you were to put, if you were to put the top three quarterbacks in Oilers uh, Titan history, it'd be Warren Moon, Steve McNair, and Ryan Tannehill right now. Well, if I remember correctly from your uh, podcast with Taylor, that he would take Ryan Tannehill over McNair. Probably, probably. But I would say this, that if you were long, long-term, Warren Moon's the best quarterback Oilers Titans history ever. But if long-term, if, if, if Tannehill stays for another three or four years and does great, then I would flip him over to McNair. But right now it's McNair number two. Yeah, that's, that's deservingly so. I have one last question. All right. The Titans mas- <coughs> excuse me. The Titans mascot is T-Rack. Who Rack. is the man that dressed? Oh, it's called T-Rack? T-Rack, yeah. No, he's Tennessee T-Rack, Raccoon. Yeah. He's a trash panda. So who was the man that dressed as T-Rack for 17 years, starting in 1999 up until his retirement in 2016? Chris McClain, Pete Nelson, Joe Littleton, or Adam Cully? Okay, I'm going to whip at this one. I met the guy a long time ago. I cannot think of his name, so I'm just going to – let's go with this, the third one. Nah, it was Pete Nelson. Yeah, I'm sorry, Pete. I knew who you were, but I totally whipped at that. <laughs> he actually said that he has had several surgeries because of his – his uh, all the stuff that he does. Really? Yeah, he's how, been through how a did, lot. How did you end up meeting him? Um. I have friends who are season ticket holders and every now and then they'll say, we cannot go to an event. Would you like to go before they get, would you out? I said, yes. So they basically said, go up there and they will take you on a tour of Nissan stadium. I'm like, I'm there. Uh, I took a picture of, uh, of my mom took a picture of me with some cheerleaders and sent to my wife. My wife didn't respond. So I knew I was going to be in trouble when I got home. Um, but they took us up to the press boxes. They took us up to, uh, you know, the, the luxury suites. They they walked us down into the to the um, into the locker rooms, and uh, they actually told me a story about Chad Swarmack, who was the offensive lineman for the Titans. They said that at the end of every one of his practices, they could take his shoe and tilt it out, and sweat would pour out. And I was like, well, that's gross. But then I got to meet. T-Rat and, and he showed us everything that he has and all the stuff that he has to do. And I was like, golly, I didn't realize there's that much involved with uh with being a, a mascot. Yeah, he uh <laughs> it's a lot of preparation, man. I mean, just between I'm sure they have a few different outfits that they have to continuously keep up with, and uh they have a lot of scripts that they have to memorize for each game. Although my my classic okay. favorite for uh the mascots is when they kick the field goal and they just hit their head up against the the pole. <laughs> See that in every stadium. Oh, I just yeah. I just love I, the best one to me. The best mascot of all time is the chicken, the San Diego chicken. Mm-hmm. It's classic. Yeah, there's that old NFL films where he's uh falling down all over himself up in the stands. I think it's after oh, that was during this. That was the during the Holy Roller. Roller. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, on uh, football's family, you got anything coming up that you want to preview for the audience? Well, uh, I've I was going to have uh, I was going to have the well, I have his name written down. I've got a couple coming up 
that I'm looking at, uh, looking at doing, hold on one second. I'm, I'm doing, I'm not going to do this man justice unless I get his name out here. Um, Ken Crippen. I knew I, I missed his name. Uh, I was going to have him on Monday and release that this coming Sunday, but I had to take my daughter to the hospital or to the doctor. So I wasn't able to do it. We're going to look at having him on Thursday or Friday and talk about what he is doing. Um, I'm open. I just love to hear fans. And, you know, I have Titans fans on. Yeah. Cause it's easy to come around here, but I love hearing people's stories. I want to hear from all the teams. I love to hear from, from Seahawks fans and things like that. So uh, if anybody on this in the program, if you know of anybody, Aaron, that wants to come on and talk about their their fandom, hey, I didn't, you know, I even have another Steelers fan on. If you would like to come on and, and talk about your fandom, I, I guess I could tolerate that once again. It's very um, kind. Just yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I'm all about giving right now. <laughs> but now, yeah. if you want to come on, let's let's do that. I I just and even college. If anybody wants to talk about college, I'm not a big college guy but i can i can nod my head like i know what i'm talking about that's the art of interviewing right oh absolutely yeah yeah even if you don't know what you're doing we're talking about you know you just nod your head and say yeah go with the flow do you want to tell people where they do you want to tell people where they can follow you yes um you can follow us at the football's family podcast on, on twitter at jeremy underscore mcfarland I'm also the football's family on Facebook. And of course you can follow and, and rate me on, uh, on the podcaster of your choice. Cool. Jeremy, this was a lot of fun, man. I'm glad you decided to come on. Hopefully uh Titans fans everywhere appreciated <laughs> the questions that went into this, uh, went into this. Uh, yeah. And I definitely would love to come on your show sometime, man. So we'll iron out the details at a later date, but for now, thanks for coming on, man. I had a lot of fun. I hope you did too. Thank you, buddy.